Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. of unfortunate events by two flaky girls because we just don't we don't read regularly you know what honestly summer is over it's officially a school night we'll be back on track summer's just like too much fun right anything fun happened today no no really we went well we went like back to school shopping that's not fun because it reminds you of school. You love school. Yeah, because of my friends. Yeah, and we're going to try. Let's see how long this works. Yeah. Well, let's see how long we do this for. Peyton's going to try and do, pick out her outfit the night before and put it on a hanger and get her backpack ready. And I, this is, if any moms are listening, you're going to know this feeling. I low-key feel like mother of the year because we have a fully stocked snack drawer. Okay. It's true. It makes you feel like the best mom in the world. And (laughs) I let her get some naughty snacks and some cookies and some... We got the expensive stuff. Not all of it, but like the fruit roll-up. Yeah, yeah. She's got some good stuff. And we got... I think we have enough for two weeks. So I'm feeling like mom of the year. Okay, ready? A series of unfortunate events. The Ursat's Elevator. Chapter 5. Cafe Salmonella was located in the fish district. Do you know what Salmonella is? No. It's a bacteria that you get from like seafood and fish. You can get it from reptiles. From their poop. Okay. The fish district smelled like... What do you think it smelled like? Salmon. Fish. (laughs) Because it was located near the docks of the city where fishermen sold fish that they had caught each morning. Hey, that's just like us in Bodega. It sounded like fish because... Oh, it sounded like fish because the pavement... Nope, it says sounded. Because the pavement was always wet from the sea breeze and the feet... Yeah, you know what? I wonder if it was supposed to say smelled, but look. Sounded. Interesting. Makes more sense if it was so smelled. Okay. Was always wet from the sea breeze, and the feet of passerbys made bubbly, splashy sounds. Okay, that's right. That resembled the noises made by sea creatures. And it looked like a fish because all of the buildings at the fish district were made of shiny, silvery scales instead of brick or wood planks. When the Baudelaire orphans arrived at the fish district and followed Jeremy to to Cafe Salmonella, They had to look up at the evening sky to remind themselves that they were not in, they were not, what? That they were not underwear. Cafe Salmonella was just a restaurant, but was not just a restaurant, but a theme restaurant, which simply means a restaurant with food and decorations that follow a certain idea. The theme for Cafe Salmonella, as you can probably guess from its name, was salmon. There were pictures of salmon on the walls and drawings of salmon on the menu and the waiters and waitresses were all dressed up in salmon costumes which made it very difficult for them to carry plates and trays. Okay, that's weird. 
the tables were decorated with vases full of salmon, instead of flowers, of course, and the food at Cafe Salmonella was served... Oh my gosh, it was a piece of hair. Something was touching me and it freaked me out. Was served, had something to do with salmon. Everything has salmon in it. Well, hopefully like seafood, huh? There's nothing particularly wrong with salmon, of course, but like... Like caramel candy, strawberry yogurt, and liquid carpet cleaner. If you eat too much, you're not going to enjoy your meal. And so, it was that evening with the Baudelaire orphans. Their first consume, their costumed waiter first brought bowls of creamy sa- salmon salad. And then some broiled salmon served with salmon ravioli and a salmon butter sauce for a main course. And by the time the waiter brought over salmon pie with a soup of salmon ice cream on top, the children never wanted another bite of salmon again. But even if the menu had featured a variety of foods, it all cooked deliciously and brought by a waiter dressed in a simple, comfortable outfit. The Baudelaire's would not have enjoyed their dinner because the thought of Gunther spending the evening alone with their guardian made them lose their appetite for more than too much pink, flavorful fish, and Jeremy was simply not willing to discuss the matter any further. Jerome. What did I say? You said Jeremy. Oh, shoot. It kind of looks like Mom, it would be sounded... Really yeah, almost. Oh, my gosh. No, it is. Whoa. I am simply not willing to discuss this matter any further, Jerome said, taking a sip from his water glass, which had chunks of frozen salmon floating instead of ice cubes. And frankly, Baudelaire's, I think you should be a little ashamed of your suspicion. Do you know what the word xenophobe means? Violet and Sunny shook their heads and over at, the, over at their brother. What do, you, what do you want me to do? Oh, I know. It's because I was walking. I know. God, can you just focus, please? Violet and Sunny shook their heads and looked over at their brother, who was trying to remember if he had come across the word in his books. When the word ends with phobe, Klaus said, wiping his mouth with a salmon-shaped napkin, it usually means somebody is afraid of something. And the word xeno means mean Olaf. Does the word xeno mean Olaf? No, Jerome said. It means stranger or foreigner. And xenophobe is somebody who is afraid of people just because they come from a different country, which is a silly reason for fear. I would have thought that you three would be far too sensible to be xenophobes. After all, Violet, Galileo came from a country in Europe and he invented the telescope. You mean would, Gunther? No, Galileo. He invented the, the that was who invented the telescope. Uh. You know the song? Galileo, Galileo. <laughs> I don't know. I actually don't even know if that's what it says, but that's what it reminded me of. Would you be afraid of him? No, Violet said. I'd be honored to meet him. But, and Klaus, Jerome continued, surely you've heard of the writer, Junikuro Tenezika, I don't even, whoa, hiya, who came from a country in Asia. Would you be afraid of him? Of course not, Klaus said, but and sunny, Jerome continued. The sharp-toothed mountain lion can be found in a number of countries in North Africa, North America. Would you be afraid to meet a mountain lion? Nitish, Sunny said, which meant something like, of course I would. Mountain lions are wild animals. But yeah. Jerome continued to talk as if he hadn't heard a single word she said. 
I don't mean to scold you, he said. I know you've had a very difficult time since your parents' death, and Esme and I want to do all that we can do to provide a good, safe home for you. Oh, wrong page. A good, safe home for you. I don't think Count Olaf would dare come to our fancy neighborhood, but in case he does, the doorman will spot him and alert the authorities immediately. But the doorman didn't spot him, Violet said. He was in disguise. And Olaf would dare to go anywhere near us. Oh, and and Olaf would dare to go anywhere to find us, Klaus added. It doesn't matter how fancy the neighborhood is. Jerome looked uncomfortably at the children. Please don't argue with me, he said. I can't stand arguing. But sometimes it's useful and necessary to argue, Violet said. I can't think of a single argument that would be useful or necessary, Jerome said. For instance, Esme made a reservation for us here at Cafe Salmonella, and I can't stand the taste of salmon. I could have argued with her about that, of course, but why would it be useful or necessary? Ah, uh, well, you could have said that you had, you could have had a dinner that you enjoyed, Klaus said. Yeah. Jerome shook his head. Someday, when you're older, you'll understand, he said. In the meantime, do you remember which salmon is our waiter? It's close to your bedtime, and I'd like to pay the bill and take you home. The Baudelaire orphans looked at one another in frustration and sadness. They were frustrated from trying to convince Jerome of Gunther's true identity, and they were sad because they knew it was not no use to keep on trying. They scarcely said another word as Jerome ushered them out of the Cafe Salmonella into the taxi cab that drove them out of the Fish District to 667 Dark Avenue. On the I know. On the way, the taxi cab passed the beach where the Baudelaires had first heard their terrible news about the fire, and a time that seemed in the very, very distant past, even though it had not been all that long ago, as the children stared out the window. Ocean waves rippled along the dark, dark beach, and they missed their parents more than ever. This if the, reminds kind of that the sea. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of, uh, of the Baudelaire's. No, oh. uh, um, what is it called? What is it called? What is it called? Yeah. James and the Giant Peach. Oh, yeah. That's true. If ever the Baudelaire's parents had been alive, they would have listened to their children. They would have believed them when they told them who Gunther really was. But that made the Baudelaire's saddest of all. What made the Baudelaire saddest of all was the fact that if the Baudelaire's, Baudelaire parents had been alive, the three siblings would not even know who Count Olaf was, True. let alone be the objects of his treacherous and greedy plans. Violet, Klaus, and Sonny sat in the taxi cab and stared mournfully out the window, and they wished that with all of their might that they could return to the time when their lives were happy and carefree. You're back already, the doorman asked as he opened the door of the taxi with the hands still hidden up his sleeve of his coat. Miss Squaller said that you were not supposed to return until you, your guest left the penthouse, and he hasn't come down yet. Jerome looked at his watch and frowned. Well, it's quite late. The children should be in bed soon. I'm sure if we're very quiet, we won't disturb them. I had very strict instructions, said the doorman. Nobody is supposed to enter the the penthouse apartment until the guests leave the building, which is definitely has not been done. Um, or you could say, um, it's my house that I own, and we pay your salary, so move aside. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to argue with you, Jerome, Jerome, Jerome said, but perhaps here's 
he's on his way down now. Takes a long time to get down all those stairs unless you're sliding down the banister, so it might be okay for us to just go up. I never thought that, said the doorman, searching his chin with his sleeve. All right, I guess you can go up. Maybe you'll run into him on the stairs. The Baudelaire children looked at one another. They weren't sure which made them more nervous. The idea that Gunther had spent so much time in the squalor penthouse. Or the idea that they might meet him as, they ca- as he came down the stairs. Maybe we should wait for Gunther to leave, Violet said. We don't want the doorman to get in trouble. No, no, Jerome said. We'd, start, we'd best start with the climb or we'll be too tired to reach the top. Sonny, be sure to let me know if you want me to carry you. They walked to the lobby of the building where they were supposed to see that it had been completely redecorated. Well, they were completely redecorated while they were at dinner. All the walls were painted blue, and the floor was covered in sand with a few seashells and scattered corners. Ocean decorating is in, the doorman said. I just got the call today. By tomorrow, the lobby will be filled with underwater scenery. Weird. I wish we knew that earlier, Jerome said. We would have brought something back from the fish district. Oh, I wish you had, said the doorman. Everyone wants ocean decorations now, and they're getting hard to find. They sure can be some ocean decorations for the, for sale at the auction, Jerome said, as he and the Baudelaire's reached the beginning of the stairway. Maybe you should stop by and purchase some something for the lobby. Maybe I will, said the doorman, smiling oddly at the children. Maybe I will. Have a good evening, folks. The Baudelaire said their, said good night to the doorman and began the long climb upstairs. Up, up, and up they climbed, and they passed a number of people who were on their way down. But although all of them were in pinstripe suits, none of them were Gunther. As the children climbed higher and higher, the people going down the stairs looked more and more tired each time the Baudelaire's passed an apartment door. They heard the sound of people getting ready for bed. On the 17th floor, they heard somebody ask their mother where the bubble bath was, where the bubble bath was. And on the 38th floor, they heard the sound of somebody brushing their teeth. And on the floor, on a floor very high up, the children had lost count again, but it must have been quite high because Jerome was carrying Sunny. They heard someone with a deep, deep voice reading a children's story out loud. All these sounds made them sleepier and sleepier, and by the time they reached the top floor, the Baudelaire orphans were so tired it felt as if they were sleepwalking, or in Sunny's case, being sleep-carried. They were so tired that they almost dozed off, leaning against two sets of sliding elevator doors as Jerome unlocked the front door. And they were so tired that it seemed as if Gunther's appearance had been a dream, because when they asked about him, Esme replied that he had left a long time ago. Gunther left? Violet asked, but the doorman said he was still here. Oh no, Esme said. He dropped off a catalog of items in the auction, and it's in the library if you want to go look at it. We, we went over some auctioning details, and then he went home. But that can't be, Jerome said. Of course it can be, Esme replied. He walked right out that front door. The Baudelaire's looked at one another in confusion and suspicion. How had Gunther managed to leave the penthouse without being spotted? Did he take the elevator when he left? Klaus said. 
Esme widened and she opened her mouth and shut it several times without saying anything as if she were experiencing the element of surprise. No, she said finally. The elevator has been shut down. You know that. Well, but the dorm man said it was still there, Violet said, and we didn't see him walk up, walking up the stairs. Well, then the doorman was wrong, Esme said. But let's not have any more of this sniferous conversation. Jerome put them right to bed. The Baudelaire's looked at one another, and they did not think the conversation was at all sniferous, a fancy word for something that was so boring that it puts you to sleep. Despite the exhausting climb for the children, they did not feel the least bit tired when they were talking about Gunther's whereabouts. The idea that he had managed to disappear in a mysteri- disappear as mysteriously as he had appeared made them too anxious to be sleepy. But the three siblings knew that they would not be able to convince the squalors to discuss it any further. Any more than they had been able to convince them that Gunther was Olaf instead of an, instead of an auctioneer. So they said goodnight to Esme and followed Jerome across the three bathrooms, past the breakfast room, through the two sitting rooms, and eventually in their own bedroom. Good night, children, Jerome said and smiled. The three... Okay, that... I think you're good. If you... Uh, the three of you will probably sleep like logs after that climbing. I don't mean that you resemble parts of trees, of course. I just mean that when you get into bed, I think you'll fall right asleep and won't move more than a log does. We knew what you meant, Jerome, Klaus replied. I hope that you're right. Good night. Jerome smiled at the children, and the children smiled back, and they looked at each other once more time before walking into their own bedrooms and shutting the doors behind them. The children knew that they would not fall asleep like logs, and they tossed and turned all night wondering things. The siblings wondered where Gunther was hiding, and how he had managed to find them, and what terrible treachery he was dreaming up. They wondered where the quagmire triplets were, since Gunther had time to prey on the Baudelaire's, and wondered what VFD meant, and if it would help them find, if it would help them with Gunther if they knew. The Baudelaire's tossed and turned and wondered about these things as if it grew later than they felt, and less and less, as it grew later, they felt less and less like logs, and more and more like children in a sinister, mysterious plot, spending one of the least nefarious, some nefarious nights of their young lives. This is a creepy book, huh? I know what BFT stands for. Well, you can't say it right now, but you can totally say it when I put this on pause. Right? (laughs) No. No.